When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Barcelona podcast. Dan Hilton and Frances Tomas here, of course, from barcelblog.com, bringing you all the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Nou. If you are new here, we consider subscribing, and at any point during the podcast, please check out the links and the exclusive deals that we have shared with you in the description. Now let's get started. Frances, the big question we keep getting all this week involves Arsenal's right back in Hector Bellerin, and everybody basically asks, should Barcelona go all in? And it reminds me a few years ago, Frances, of when Cesc Fabregas of Arsenal was the guy that just seemed to be the never-ending transfer rumor. And this year, it looks like it's going to be Arsenal right back, Bellerin. Yeah, definitely. Um, it really does sound like it's going to be a repeat. It really does sound that we're going to have Bellerin for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. But um, to be honest, it's, it's a good rumor to have. Um, Bellerin is a fantastic player at 22 years old. He's already very, very experienced. He's played 114 matches for Arsenal and uh, a total of 41 this season. Um, he's been successful, obviously, um, in England and around the world, really. Everyone always sort of tends to be joking about Arsenal's results, uh, the fact that they can never get past fourth in the, in the Premiership. But um, beyond that, he's been successful in the Cups particularly. Um, he's proven himself at the highest level. Um, he's a really, really speedy player. I think that that is something that Barca has been lacking at right back for many, many years now. And uh, that is something that we could definitely do with. Um, given his pace, he can take opposition defenders. Uh, he can run past them. He can basically 
play the ball around them because of his great touch as well. And uh, what I really like about Bellerin is that he will be able to go all the way to the byline and uh, when he does cross the ball, he's very accurate. Um, obviously, we can't forget that um, he's one of our own. He grew up at Barca, joined La Masia when he was still really young. I believe he was um, nine and ten years old. And uh, yeah, so he knows La Masia really well. He knows the Barca system really well. And uh, he's a player that has been successful at every level that he's played. So yeah, I think he would be a great addition. Yeah, I think um, you look at what he's done this year in England and you know, you'd touch on his story. He left the Barcelona Academy in 2011 as a 16-year-old winger. And as what we see with so many in world football now, they start as wingers and they get converted back to the back line. Um, but he did that when he was, you know, still in his mid-teens, 16, 17. He's currently valued at 25 million euro, according to Transfer Mark, after his one goal forces for Arsenal's um, first team this season. So whoscored.com, which is a statistic resource we use often here on the Barcelona podcast, they give him an average rating of the year of 6.82. But my one question on that, Frances, is how much better is he than Sergi Roberto or a healthy Vidal. Vidal this year was hurt basically all the year. Two two goals, three assists. Average match rating, though, of 7.45 out of 10. He had particularly good games in the game, the game series. He scored the two goals this year in January, if you remember, against Las Palmas, and then in Bilbao in February. I mean, he showed that if he was healthy, he'll be 28 years old, Will Vidal, this season. He showed just how he could fit into that starting 11. So, I mean, the question is, if $25 million being valued... Um, that tells you that it's going to cost a whole lot more to pry him away from Arsenal. Yeah, but uh, I think it will be money well spent. Now, as I said at the start, he's 22 years old and uh, he's already made an impact at professional level. He's only going to get better. And uh, Barca and you know the world of football in, in general um, is investing very heavily in youngsters. Now, we don't necessarily look at Madrid all the time, but uh, they're spending a huge amount of money. I think it's in the range of... 60 to 65 million euros on Vinicius, which is a Brazilian youngster. He's 16. So if Madrid can spend that much money on a, on a player that is virtually unproven, um, spending some more money for Bellerin, it makes, makes total sense. Now, coming back to your point about uh, being a right back at Barca at this moment in time. Now, Dani Alves was outstanding. Um, as we said in our previous podcast, he's probably the best right back in the last 10, 20 years in world football. Now, that time is gone and uh, we need to move forward, which is why last season Barca invested heavily on Vidal as well, who had been excelling in Sevilla. And uh, that should have solved the problem. However, he didn't necessarily adapt to Barca um, from the beginning. He had trouble with Luis Enrique, who wasn't really playing in too much. And uh, when he was trying to find his way into the team and, and our previous manager, Luis Enrique now, because obviously we signed Valverde. When he started showing some more trust in him, then he got injured and uh, his progression did stop. Now, fortunately, we've had Sergi Roberto starting at right back whenever Vidal wasn't available, which pretty much has been the whole season. And uh, he's done fairly well. He's done really well. However, given Barca's sort of um, weaknesses in midfield, it, is, it would be important... Um, in the coming season to have Sergi Roberto challenging for a central midfielder or attacking midfielder position and uh, having Bellerin as a starter and Vidal as a backup or, you know, either way, both of them challenging each other 
would make the Barca team stronger. So from my point of view, it makes perfect sense to add a player who should be an automatic start um, in our starting eleven. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Sergi Roberto. He was the guy this year. He made over 50 appearances and some were in midfield, but generally he was at right back. And that was actually the position where statistically he was better this year in Roberto, I'm saying. Um, he had a rating of just just under seven. So that would you know be in the middle of Vidal and Bellerin. But of course, you know, look at sample size and Bellerin's sample size and, you know, average minutes and things like that per game were a little bit higher than the other two. Um, this year, Roberto scored two goals and six assists. And the other thing, though, is Roberto's the player, I think, of the three, for me, that fits the Barcelona system, as you were talking about, the best. While Bellerin, we believe, would adapt well, Roberto is by far the best passer of the three. So, I mean, talking about passing out of the back, Roberto is still the player for that. But as you and I have talked about before, we both, and, and so many people, see that Re- Sergio Roberto is absolutely worthy of being a Barcelona squad member but you know nobody really truthfully believes that he is the long-term solution at the right back position now on as far as the transfer of Bellerin that I would bring up is that again for me it comes down to price at the end of the day where you look at Valencia's Cancelo who's just one year older he's valued at 20 million compared to the 25 from Bellerin but also if we did um if we had a, we have a relationship already with Valencia. You look at some of the transfers recently, Munir going that way and Gomez coming this way, as well as a bunch of others. And I would say that Cancelo, I mean, you could get him for what, maybe half the price? Because you know that in the Premier League, Arsenal is going to drive the price up. And then Nelson Semedo, the guy who seems to be, that everyone's talking about from Benfica, the Portuguese right back, he's valued at $14 million, But as we heard, Benfica, are going to charge through the roof for Semedo, just knowing that, I mean, that's what Benfica's transfer policy is. It's to, you know, put high and huge price tags. So I think for me, if it's Semedo or Bellerin, and they're both going to cost over 40 or 50 million, then you go the way of Bellerin, of course, because again, you bring him back to, to Catalonia and kind of forget about Semedo. But Bellerin's always said that his future is going to be tied to Arsene Wenger. And after thinking that Arsene Wenger was going to be leaving Arsenal finally after all these years, he signed a two-year extension. And I think that might be the nail in the coffin that Bellerin is just going to cost too much. I mean, that's the thing. If you're telling me $30 million for Bellerin, I say, yeah, I'll sign that. I, I would love that. That'd be great. But then you say 70 or $75 million for a right back. And you have to look at where Barcelona's priorities are in terms of important signings this summer. Is right back really the most important $70 million transfer that's that's necessary for the club? I would say that um, the problem with Barca's transfer policy is not necessarily playing too highly for, for transfers. It's the fact that they cannot really sell players for any decent value. Um, if you think about it, the current squad, you've got Arda Duran, who uh, we spoke before, um, I think should be in, in his way out. Um, if we could get, say, 30, 35 million, basically what he costed when he got him, um, for him, that, that would be great. Uh, we've got other players that we could consider offloading, for example, and I know this is sort of a topic that we'll talk about in our next podcast, but someone like Rafinha, if you were to sell him, you would make a good 25, 30 million out of that. Then that's 60 million you've got back for two players who you know, don't improve what Bellerin would bring. So in my eyes, investing 
50 million euros for, on Bellerin is money well spent because you, then you've got a write back for the next 10 years. If you think about it, it's the sort of Ter Stegen sort of approach. You buy Ter Stegen, you've got to keep it for 10 years. You buy, when we got Jordi Alba from Valencia, then you've got a, a, a starting player or someone who could challenge for a starting spot for the next seven, eight seasons. And uh, I think investing heavily in players that are going to be part of your core for, for years to come would be a great investment. And uh, Bayerin, without a doubt, would be a, a regular starter. And uh, I think that would be money superbly well spent. Uh, but as I said, Barca don't seem to be able to sell players for any decent value. And that's what's holding us back. And uh, if we think about it, Barca and Winopol, you know, we've got a decent um, amount of income coming from all sorts, definitely uh, from the TV rights in La Liga and the Champions League. But um, a, a budget of around 70, 80 million just because of the what the club generates is normal. Add 60 million for sales that you've made. That's 140 million. We could get Bellerin and Berratti this season, for example. And then, then we're laughing. But uh, it's the fact that this current board don't seem to be able to sell players is, is frustrating, to be honest. Well, the last question that I'd pose to you, Francis, as we wrap this question up is, would, if Bellerin does make the switch to back to Spain, back to Barcelona, his boyhood club, and he doesn't succeed right away, like he says Fabregas, and it seems like his heart may not completely be in it, because that's what he said recently, is that my heart is at Arsenal, I want to be at Arsenal with, with Wenger, and so, but if he were to make that switch and he doesn't succeed, do you think fans, particularly at the stadium, will give him the hard end of the deal and not be patient with a 22-year-old right-back to adapt back into that system? Yeah, I would I would see why you're asking that, because, you know, when Cesc Fabregas came back, we definitely had high hopes of his return, but then he just didn't deliver. But the thing with Fabregas is that he didn't always seem too bothered. You know, he wasn't a player that you could sort of see that was giving everything to the team and was sort of going out of his way to defend or to track back or sort of connecting with the others. Now, Bellerin is a completely different player. Um, he's basically, he's made out of energy. Is that he had, you know, incredibly great Guitos for breakfast. You know, he's always running up and down. He's incredibly pacey. He's incredibly strong, uh, very gifted. And... Uh, if that's one thing that, that Bellerin is fantastic at, is, is giving his all at every given point. And the other camp, no, we, it doesn't matter how much we, we actually pay for, for players and sign-ins. If you can see they're trying their best, then we will support them, always. You know, like Mascherano. Mascherano is not the most gifted player in the universe. However, he, he leaves his um, parts on the <laughs> in the middle of the park every single game, you know, and uh, we love him for that. He's not going to score a hat-trick. He's not going to do all sort of dribbling and sort of showboating and bits like that. But we don't care. We just want people uh, in our team who are going to give everything. And Bellerin, if he chose to come back and uh, the deal was right for both clubs, uh, would be a great addition. And uh, I don't see it as a repeat of the Fabregas uh, fiasco at all. That takes us to our question number two of the day. Our second big question is how many signings does Barcelona need to make this summer and which positions should they focus on? Frances, to me, it's pretty simple and we've kind of been talking about it and the names that you keep mentioning and I guess we don't want to get too overzealous in deciding that's what since since it's that's what we want, that's what's going to happen. But you and I both keep selling, saying that it's Verratti and Bellerin and that kind of tells you what kind of positions that I would like to see. I think Barcelona is two signings away 
and it's again a top level midfielder and a right back so that kind of tells you the story that I think the answer is two to that question but I've got a little bit of a hitch after that for you but I'd like to hear your answer too oh no I agree I agree with you I think uh given the the transfer um available of transfer money available we've got I think two players you know um one of the main criticisms that um, Luis Enrique has faced over his team at Barca is the fact that he hasn't promoted um, La Masia players as much as he should. And Cules uh, could always keep talking about the fact that, you know, in the times of Guardiola, you had Puyol, Xavi, and then obviously you've got Busquets, Pedro, and all sorts of players coming through. And uh, at this moment in time, main criticism is that we just haven't had that. So... I think signing two players that would be starters, like Bellerin and Berratti, would be a great, great deal. Then players who are, at the moment, backup players, such as Andre Gomez, uh, Rafinha, if he wasn't sold, um, Alcácer, they should step up. And I think the, the rest of the squad players should come from Barca B, in my, in my eyes. But uh, i like to see what, uh, what you've got in store. So what's your point now? So I would say that it's not a need... But I think the Barcelona board needs to take a hard look at investing in the future, as you had just talked about in the last question, with kind of what Real Madrid is doing, a lot of what those large clubs are doing. So I think between Iniesta, Busquets, Rakitic, Tehran, Rafinha, Gomez, Denis Suarez, uh, Sergi Roberto, Sergi Samper re- likely returning, and Carlos Elena needing time from the academy, from Barcelona B, with all those guys in the midfield, if nothing seems to happen with enough players going out and a major midfielder coming in and there is money to spend, I would say now might be the summer where you take a hard look at replacing some of the long-term positions. And for me, that starts with with getting a quality young, and I do mean very young, teenage number nine to eventually try to replace Luis Suarez in a few years. And so I think there are guys in Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, South America, and the name that comes to my mind first, and this is not a transfer rumor, nothing has ever been said of this, but you look at a player for a racing club, Lutaro Martinez, as a, you know, he's a prototypical number nine, 19 years old, and he's only rated for 2.5 million euro. And again, at 19, you snag a, a young guy like that, and then you loan him right back to the club for a year, then you put him on loan in Europe for a year or two, and then slowly integrate him into the first team. Maybe he spends his first, his second season at Barcelona B, if they can get back to the second division. And then if he winds up not panning out, you then sell him and make a profit, obviously, because of how rated he had been. So I think this could be the summer that if Barcelona doesn't wind up spending major money on a midfielder because they believe they have all the proper midfielders they need for those three positions— now might be the summer to spend on a young unknown and take a chance on a you know eight to ten million dollar transfer for a young player that you don't necessarily have at the club next year, but you loan him out and work him into the first team slowly throughout the years. That that makes perfect sense to me, but uh, I just don't think that the current Barca board have the skills to do that. Um, they've ne- they've never done it before. They have never sort of shown having the patience or sort of the know-how to attract players like that. Uh, and unfortunately, what's traditionally happened in the, say, the last five, ten years is that Sevilla would be, that, would be doing that. A club like, say, Chelsea would be doing that. And then the Barca board will go and pay huge amounts of money for this player once they spend a couple of seasons in Sevilla. 
and then rather than paying the 2.5 million that you were talking about then we're offering 30 or 40. So um, as we've spoken about before in a previous podcast which I really recommend um, that our listeners sort of go back and listen to if they haven't because this is episode five of our podcast um, I think that they they really should go back and have a listen and that in terms of the board is understanding that you're not going to be able to sign players that are going to make instant starters the whole time, but having a transfer policy that attracts talent and then loans them to different clubs should be working because it is working for other for other clubs, but uh, we just don't seem to be able to do it. And that brings us to our quick-fire fan mail of the day. And, this, and a lot of our questions, obviously, Frances, are surrounding transfer rumors, and that happens at the beginning of every summer. And it seems like the guy today, and it really is, who is it today? Today it seems to be Usmane Dembele of Borussia Dortmund. They've got a managerial chain, so Dembele might be looking at, you know, is his future at the club? Now the answer is yes, he's one of the very best young wingers and attackers in the world. So Dembele's place is basically at any club he wants to be at. But of course, his decision, he's stated that he does love the club Barcelona. He he wanted to play for them when he was younger and little. I mean, by younger, I mean even earlier in his teenage years, because of course, he's still a teenager now. And so how much weight is there in the Debele rumors? I think in the year 2017 summer window, not much weight is in there. But I think how much long-term weight is in the bar, the Dembele rumors, just like we talk about Juventus and Dybala, I think there's a lot of weight in eventually seeing Dembele in a Barcelona uniform. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think that, as you're saying, is the right time for either Dembele or Dybala, for that matter, to, to move to Barca, simply because we've got, in my eyes, the best three forwards in the world. I mean, Lionel Messi is head and shoulders above um, despite whatever that guy in Madrid tends to be doing in Champions League finals. But uh, in my eyes... Oh, the Portuguese? The, the Portuguese winger? Yeah, the Portuguese guy. Yeah, I think number seven for some white club. Um, yeah, I, I think he's still head and shoulders above every other player because of what he brings to the table in terms of uh, not just goal scoring, but also making his team better. Um, so, yeah, I don't think forwards is not what Barca need right now. So I would say give it two, three years until, say, Luis Suarez uh, starts sort of declining a bit. Um, Neymar should, in theory, only get better with time. And uh, I see Messi continue to excel for the next two, three seasons. Um, maybe, you know, when his skills and speed and stamina and fitness decreases, he's going to be one of our attacking midfielders, I would say. So um, we don't necessarily need a forward right now, but give it, two, three years, and uh, we, may be, we may be changing um, our horizons. Yeah, because I think ideally, as we had talked about before, as Messi ages, he moves into that attacking midfield position, so that leaves a hole on the right wing. Shall I ask you question four? Well, that question came from Joe, and this next question comes from the future, and he asked, why is it that Barca are always in the top three richest and valuable teams when it's buying players, but then you can't seemingly see them spending money on the... what? He believes that the team needs, and then why can't they seem to fit players in who, you know, haven't come from the club? And then he mentions Coutinho from Liverpool, Verratti, Bellerin, Dembele, Dybala, guys we've already mentioned. Um, and he says those are the guys we need the most, and why doesn't Barcelona go out and get them? Right. Um, I, I sort of disagree with the question in itself. Um, Barcelona spent really heavily on players. If you think about it, 
Luis Suarez didn't come to us for free. Neymar definitely didn't come to us for free. We still don't even know how much we paid uh, because all of the um, tax dodginess that um, is going on behind the scenes. But uh, Barca have invested very heavily. The thing is, in the last couple of years, um, the signings, I would say beyond Umtiti and Ter Stegen really, uh, haven't necessarily uh, been as good as they should have been. Uh, and that may be because of youth, that may be because of adaptation, and that may be because they need, just need more time to, um, to, to, to excel. But um, I think spending the money is not the problem. You're spending the money in the right, um, in the right number of players and the right players themselves. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. I think targeting needs is the most important thing. But I think, as I kind of mentioned earlier, that while Barcelona seemingly has this well of money that they can just spend and it reaches no end on how much money they can spend, there is a limit. Of course, when you talk about the financial, financial, the FFPs or the financial um, fair play rules, Barcelona can only spend a certain amount of money, and they should only spend a certain amount of money, particularly when they're looking at building a new stadium or making additions, should we say, um, as well. So when you look at the money that stadium money needs to be set aside for, they it, it's not prudent to spend on a player, particularly if that player winds up flopping. It's always a big, a big chance. And you talk about, you know, the players that the future had mentioned. You put all them in the same transfer window and you know that's I know that obviously it would only be one or two of them but you know those total total those players are going to cost 500 million 550 million you know just it's just a, a a huge a huge number it's not sustainable to be spending that much money on players all the time uh, let's not forget we're not Real Madrid at all we are a, a team that traditionally has been successful and we have been successful because of promoting our own players so if you spend a lot of money on a player that is not going to be a starter, then you're quite likely going to end up in a situation like what we found recently, is that players within the academy won't have enough playing time, they won't have enough trust, and they won't have enough opportunity to um, become the Puyols, Chavis, Iniestas of the future. So if you're going to spend heavily, then you should just go for, for proven starters and uh, I don't necessarily agree with this tendency that it has been quite sort of evident in the Catalan media lately, uh, saying that Barca needs to go and, and sign sort of bench players. I disagree. Uh, bench players should just be players that are ours, that could eventually, from our academy, that could eventually be pushing for a start, for a starting position. I don't think having a player that, you know, like Arda Turan, for example, that has done next to nothing, um, makes any sense from the sporting or the financial perspective. Yeah, I think that's what everybody seems to be asking, Princess, and that's your answer to it, is that, you know, why can't Barcelona spend on quality players? And the answer is they are. And particularly with a new manager, I think you have to give Valverde a chance to see who plays well underneath him. And as we've talked about in prior weeks, for me, if Denis Suarez is able to take that next step under Valverde, I mean, maybe Denis Suarez just needs that coach to get the best out of him because he's a guy that we see so many good flashes. And so this might be the year that, you know, he's still in his early 20s that a lot of these guys, and even at left back, if Dinier comes in and starts to really succeed under Valverde, you've got to give this manager a chance. So, I mean, I'm thinking that, yeah, you could splash all this money and, we'll say bring in the players that Valverde dreams of or wants so badly, but 
really, there's quality players in the squad, and I'm very curious to see what Valverde does with the players already there in training. Yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time to be a Barca fan right now. Uh, we've got a new manager coming in with plenty of energy, plenty of know-how. Um, he's got a slightly different style, although possession football and uh, attacking football is still going to be at the forefront. But um, it is a great time for our youth players, particularly, to be able to prove their worth. And uh, if they are good, good enough, and they've got the right attitude, they should be getting a chance. So um, it's exciting times ahead. Yeah, it's also a great time as well for our listeners and viewers. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all across the social media platforms. You can check out the different subscriptions and all the different things we offer and and exclusive deals in our description as well. As we wrap up this edition of the Barcelona Podcast, Frances, I want to thank you for joining me today. And until next time, as we always say, Barça Barça. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.